0: Welcome to the economic war room. We have a different kind of episode. I'm gonna mostly share from my heart. There's no script. We'll have a FAQ section at the end. You know, we've had all kinds of experts. They come through the economic war room all the time and we have lots of research from around the world and we've addressed so many challenges. Inflation, pandemic, election malfeasance, the risk of food shortages, space warfare, stock market collapse, debt and pension crisis, socialism. But the challenge we face today may dwarf them all. Or maybe it rolls them all up into one big package that will be sold to you as something that you need, something that will benefit you. But in reality, it's dark, it's deceptive, it's destructive. You know, President Biden issued an executive order, number 14067, on March 9th of 2022. We warned you about it both before it happened and after it was issued. It's 37 pages long. Now I've highlighted a few sections to read to you. It starts off, by the authority vested in me as president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, it is hereby ordered as follows. Yeah, by the Constitution. Section one policy. It has profound implications for the protection of consumers, data privacy, security, financial stability. Being sold to you is something really good for you. Goes on and talks about human rights financial inclusion, equity, energy demand, and climate change. Ah, we're seeing the progressivism coming through here. It lists objectives. It lists mitigating illicit finance and national security risks. And remember, the greatest national security risk may be patriot-loving Americans, as Biden has said in other speeches. Uh, We must reinforce the United States' leadership. This is really a plan or a plot to take control of the global monetary system using central bank digital currencies. In front of me I also have six major research reports written to support or encourage central bank digital currency, also known as CBDC. Here's one from the Office of Science and Technology Policy from September 22. Also the Federal Reserve Feds notes on programmable money. Programmable money? June 23rd, 2021. The Bank for International Settlements, March 2018. The Atlantic Council CBDC tracker from December 22. The IMF's FinTech Notes and the Federal Reserve Board of Governors report from January 22. And all of these, they're all very favorable. They say this is the destiny of central banks. If they say 20 nations are planning to test launch central bank digital currency in 2023. I also have two reports warning against CBDC. One is from the Cato Institute, titled, CBDC and Freedom are Incompatible, and the other is from Bitcoin Policy Institute, why the U.S. should reject CBDCs. Now, the Fed in New York is now proceeding in a 12-week test of programmable digital dollars with Mellon Bank, Citibank, HSBC, MasterCard, PNC Bank, the Swift Protocol, TD Bank, Truist, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo. They're also working with the Monetary Authority of Singapore. The Fed wants first mover advantage. In fact, they said it flat out in a paper they wrote on November 25th, 2022. So, these are some of the threats that we're facing. Here are some of the FAQs, the frequently asked questions. Number one, is this real? Yeah, it's real. Absolutely, these six papers that are in favor from the leading authorities, Bank of International Settlements and, and IMF and Federal Reserve and from the White House, of course it's real. They're working on it rapidly. So, question number two, what does it mean to me? Well, it's a threat to your privacy. It's a control mechanism. It's a policy mechanism. It it is declaring equity, which means they can take money from one group and give it to another, that's equity. It's a means of taxation. If they have central bank digital currencies where all your currency is completely numbered and on an electronic ledger where everybody can do it, they can take the tax out when they want it. It's a means of climate change and energy taxes. It's a means of personal control at the individual level. Can you imagine them controlling your speech? PayPal recently said, if you've got a PayPal account and you say hate speech on the internet, we can take $2,500 from your account. If PayPal thinks they can do it, what do you think the government thinks they can do? It's a means of implementing social credit scores. So question number three. How will they convince us to use it? Here's how they're gonna do it. They're gonna offer it free, and if you use it, you'll get free money. But once you start on it, you'll get locked in. Remember, the vaccine was voluntary until it was mandatory. This'll start voluntary and seem like a benefit. Question number four. How soon could this be implemented? I'm telling you, they're doing it right now with a dozen banks in New York. They're planning to implement this as soon as June of this year, at least on a trial program across the nation, and 2024, maybe before the election. Question number five Is this the mark of the beast? You know, the Bible in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17 says, also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the hand, the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. That's where we get the 666 idea. So is it the mark of the beast? I don't know. It might be, it might not be, but it sure sounds a lot like the same kind of control mechanisms. You can't buy or sell without a central bank digital currency. Question number six, why now? Why are they pushing it now? Well, for a lot of reasons. Number one, because they can. The technology now enables it. Number two, the Chinese have developed their digital yuan. And so we're fearful that the Chinese may get ahead of us. Why is China inventing a digital yuan? So they can control their people. It is the exact same reason they want it here, only there they already have the social credit scores. But here's what I think the real reason is. It's the Bitcoin threat. Bitcoin got away from them. They had no idea that something worth a penny could be someday worth $60,000. Federal government said, wait a minute, we can't control it. It allows for privacy, and it has all of these features. Nope, nope, we've got to make something that looks like a Bitcoin, but operates under our complete control. I think that's the real reason. But it's also the reason we have $32 trillion worth of debt and the federal government is worried that if they don't take control of the monetary system, maybe it will take control of them. Last question, number seven. Can it be stopped? That's the big question. Can it be stopped? I don't think it can be stopped, but I think we can head it off. And what I mean by that is we can create something, an alternative, that will be better and just relegate the central bank digital currency idea, the evil one, to the dustbins of history. This is why we have an economic war room. This is why we've had all these experts in here. This is why you're watching and what, we will tell you what you need to do about this. So we need to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to be discussing the solutions. In our first segment, we talked about the most modern form of money. It's being sold as a central bank digital currency. It is literally electronic money made up out of thin air that the government can control. And with it, they can control everything you buy, everything you sell, they can monitor you, they can limit where you transact. Ancient money, that's gold and silver. I know, there were shells, there were beads, there was paper money, but the longest used form of money throughout the history of the world has been gold and silver. It's from the Bible times and before that to as recently as 50 years ago here in the United States. Now, I'm not in the gold business. I don't hold a big pile of gold that I'm hoping to sell. But I am a student of history and a student of economics. And I want to give you a brief timeline of money. And the reason is that we're looking for some solution to the central bank digital currency threat that we already discussed. To understand how to combat future money, we have to learn from the past. And gold has been used as money for thousands of years. In fact, Nathan Lewis recently wrote in Forbes, the use of gold and silver in a monetary role goes back before Plato. It goes back even before the invention of writing in Sumer around 3300 B.C. Although shell rings and wheat served as early Sumerian currency from about 3500 B.C., by 2700 B.C., silver had become the primary monetary standard of Sumer, with gold alongside in a supporting role. In neighboring Egypt, the primary producer of gold in the ancient period was Egypt, and gold was the preferred high-quality value money. As early as 2700 BC, Egypt produced a standardized ring of money out of gold, stamped with an indication of weight. The history of money since that time is basically one long tale of gold and silver leading up to the classical gold standard of the pre-1914 era and then the Bretton Woods gold standard beginning in 1944 and ending in 1971. This is true in the West, but it's also true in the East. Gold and silver coinage was the norm in India from the 6th century BC. Gold was the primary high value money of the Han Dynasty, 202 BC, in China. The Bible talks about gold and silver as money in both the Old and New Testaments also. Remember, the beggar wanted money from apostles, Peter and John, as recorded in Acts chapter 3, and Peter answered the request, the demand for money by saying, silver and gold do I not have, but what I do have I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Now, in the first chapter of the Old Testament book of Zephaniah, the prophet warns people not to count on their money by saying, neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. Basically, money can't buy you out of trouble with God. But the point I'm making is that silver and gold were money. I've covered gold quite a bit. Here, even in chapter five of my book, Game Plan, let me read just a couple of passages. This is uh, chapter five, The Gold Rush starts on page 95. It says, nothing sparks a debate in financial circles like the subject of gold. John Maynard Keynes thought gold was a barbarous relic that makes no sense. Fed chairman Bernanke, predictably enough, said that he doesn't think gold is money. And people think of that way only because of tradition. But Milton Friedman said, gold could be money, of course, because money is what money does. Meaning, if it's used for currency, it is currency. Warren Buffett, he didn't like gold. He expressed skepticism. He said, gold gets dug out of the ground in Africa or someplace, then we melt it down, dig another hole, bury it again, and people pay, pay people to stand around guarding it. It has no utility. Anyone watching from Mars would be scratching their head. Well, that might be true, but anyone in the world of the past 6,000 years of human history, they get it. They understand that gold can be money, and in fact, it is. Peter Schiff said gold is money, and money retains its value. Gold retains its value. Even former Fed chairman Alan Greenspan talked about a gold standard. He said, in the absence of the gold standard, there's no way to protect savings from confiscation through inflation. Deficit spending is simply a scheme for confiscation. In 1263, gold would have traded at approximately $4.10 an ounce. It rose in steadily in price to $20.40 an ounce in, 19, in 1696. During the American Civil War, the price of gold jumped to $45.40 per ounce. But then it returned to its stable pre-war value of $20. It remained at that price until 1932. In other words, for hundreds of years, gold was relatively steady. Gold has been money. Gold has risen as high as $2,000 an ounce, and it's pretty close to that now. Gold has always been money. The great author and economist, George Gilder, explains why in his book, The Scandal of Money. Basically, Gilder proves that time is money. That's the old saying. Essentially, our labor is exchanged, our time for money and we're paid by the hour or by the day or the week or the month. Paper doesn't reflect that, but gold, which has to be mined, does. It takes time to mine gold. So does Bitcoin, by the way, but that has its own other issues. So here's a quote from Gilder, who we hope to have as a guest in the economic war room later this year. He said, the great Achilles heel of the world economy today is the eclipse of money. Money has been turned from an instrument of knowledge, a measuring stick that gauges wealth into an instrument of power of governments that tries to force economic growth by guaranteeing it. And I believe the reason capitalism succeeds is that it incorporates the scientific method in its process. The growth of knowledge involves business plans that are not guaranteed with business plans that can go broke. That's very important to grasp. Knowledge is wealth. It's measured in money, and money can be measured by time. The act of discovery is mimicked with the act of mining. So gold functions as money because you have to discover it and mine it. Now, these are deep concepts but what they demonstrate is that a printing press with unlimited ink and paper should not be money. Neither should ones and zeros on a computer screen with nothing behind them. As Gilder explains, those become not instruments of wealth or knowledge, they become instruments of power used by governments, just as we saw in the first segment. That's the goal of central bank digital currency, a truly scary idea. Now, the advantages to gold, it has limited supply, it has privacy, it has a long history of acceptance, but it has some pitfalls. It's not easily divisible. You can't just scrape off a few flakes and buy a cup of coffee. It can be confiscated by government, and in fact it was by the U.S. government in the 30s. It's hard to carry. It's expensive to store. Yes, central bank digital currency is so much more convenient. Absolutely more convenient. But what if you could have the convenience without all the privacy, without all the government control, without all the manipulations? That's what we've been working on. The benefits, the history of gold with the with all of the privacy and that that entails, but also the convenience of central bank digital currencies that will not invade your privacy. You know, when we return, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk solutions, what we do in the economic war room. How do we get the best of both worlds? Central bank digital currency convenience and gold stability, but without the downfalls of either and all the benefits of both. Let's take a break. For over a decade now, about 15 years, I've been sounding the alarm about economic warfare. At first, no one knew what it meant, not even in our own Pentagon. That was true in 2008. Most people don't remember that so much. They barely remember 9-11-2001, but insiders get it now. In fact, Strategist Magazine, in their year-end issue, looked back on 2022 and called it a year of economic warfare. Here's the point, we're facing an unprecedented period in which the economy, really money, is being used as a means of warfare. That's true at the global and national level, but it's also true at the personal level. Now in the economic war room, we're crafting strategies to help you address the threats we're facing. But now we need your help. We have a strategy to provide a means of protecting your wealth. We're not selling it to you, we're not selling anything really. But we found a provision in the Constitution that would allow Americans to protect wealth, to hold it in the form of historical money, and to use it sim- as simply as using a debit card. It'd be protected from inflation, economic collapse, and unfair taxation. It would have privacy benefits. Best of all, it would operate seamlessly in a modern economy. The good news, the founders understood the dangers of paper money and out-of-control spending. They knew history. They warned against inflation, and they had the inspiration to leave a small provision in the American Constitution with a big benefit. Now, there was a debate. Congress was given the power to coin money, Article One, Section 8, also to regulate the value of foreign money. They said states can't print their own money. It'd be too confusing. But Article 1, Section 10 said that while no state shall coin money, it also said they can't make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. The key word is tender. It's the same word found on our money. You know, this note is legal tender for all debts public and private. What is tender? Well, Investopedia gives us an answer. Quoting, legal tender is anything recognized by law as a means to settle a public or private debt or meet a financial obligation including tax payments, contracts, and legal fines or damages. The national currency is always legal tender. So according to the Constitution, a state can make gold and silver coins Tender, a means to transact currency. That's the founder's wisdom. Gold and silver are historical money. Gold and silver are universal. They're the same in Georgia, or Maine, or Alaska, or China, or Australia, or Brazil. It's all measured by weight. It was used pre-war. The Bank of Kentucky, for example, would take deposits of gold and silver, issue certificates based on Article One, Section 10, and that was state-based tendered, not regulated by the Congress. And it was not taxable as a collectible. Even though gold and silver, if you buy it yourself and hold it yourself, that's taxable as a collectible. Every time you do a transaction, there's a capital gain or loss, you're supposed to report. Foreign tender, yeah, that's taxable. Yes, it's monitored. And yes, the U.S. can regulate it. But the certificates used in Kentucky and other states, they weren't. They were tender, and it solved the divisibility problem. You could deposit an ounce of gold and get a certificate for one-tenth an ounce, and so forth. Now, this was abandoned because the federal government became more reliable, and federal money was backed by gold, and so all this was abandoned with the Civil War. And in the 1930s, FDR confiscated all the privately held gold and, and put it in Fort Knox, and as recently as the 1970s, We used to have a gold backing for our currency, but Nixon abandoned that. But what if you took modern technology? You know, everything's electronic, Bitcoin, CBDC, your debit card. And we use that same concept as the Bank of Kentucky with that modern electronic twist. What if you could have a debit card using gold? You know, that's being done right now. There's a a company called Glent, that's one example, but also Gover and Veracash. It solves a big problem. It makes gold convenient, but it creates two new problems. The first is it's stored in Switzerland, and that means international banking laws and U.S. oversight and regulation. And the second problem is every time you use your Glent card, it's reportable to the IRS and taxable. So every transaction can be monitored, and it's still subject to confiscation. So Glent is a great idea to modernize gold, but it doesn't solve the other problem. But Article 1, Section 10, the Bank of Kentucky idea, you put those two together and you have what we call transactional gold. A debit card with full electronic features like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay issued by a state. Now, game plan. I talked about this on page 223 as a solution. The Texas Bullion Depository was created. Now, we're working on expanding that and adding to it the debit card idea. Just like another way to pay like Glant or American Express or PayPal. But this could be a life raft if the economic ship starts to go down. It could be the start of a new sound monetary system, allowing for a brighter future. It could be a form of economic justice. You know, rich people can buy hedges against inflation, but the average person just has the money in their bank account. How about having that backed by gold to protect you? We've talked about this a lot through the years. We talked about it in episode 184 and 192. You can go back and watch it, get the details. We can call it transactional gold or constitutional currency or a digital detection. I don't care what we call it, so much as making sure it gets done. Now, here's the FAQs, the most frequently asked questions. When I travel the country, people say, is this Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency? No, it doesn't have to be. In fact, it could be just as simple as a debit card, and I think that's what we should start with, 100% gold-backed debit card. So you're paying for things with gold, and the merchant, they don't know they're getting gold. They're actually getting U.S. dollars as it automatically exchanges. Second question, is there enough gold in the system? Yes, more than you know. Metric tons. I get calls all the time from people saying, I've got gold ready to go into your system. Remember, we're not suggesting that people stop using the U.S. dollar. We're just giving them an alternative. Also, you can use silver. It's in the Constitution. Question three, is it legal? Article 1, Section 10, the Supreme Court case called Briscoe versus Bank of Kentucky, yes, says it's legal. What Kentucky did was legal, so what we're doing today should be legal too. Can the gold be confiscated? No. The federal government does not have the power to take gold from a sovereign state. Question number five, would a state actually do this? Well, Texas has a depository. Question, does the state have the will to do it? I hope so, we're pushing them. Now here's the big one. How can you help us make this happen? With the threat of central bank digital currency, inflation and collapse, a lot of people want to help. So number one, sign our petition. It's at economicwarroom.com forward slash money. Number two, get the free economic battle plan for this episode. Number three, contact your state legislator and tell them you want this in your state. Or tell us to tell them. We'll be happy to talk to them. Number four, spread the word. Have people watch and sign up to get on our list. This is the most important economic moment of my lifetime. It's not a time to sit around and worry. It's a time to take action. That's why we have an economic war room. 30 minutes a week, we produce solutions, but we need your help. We're making progress. There is legislation proposed for Texas. We expect it in this session. There are movement efforts in other states underway. This can happen. I'm telling you, I've talked to people in South Dakota, in Alaska, in Oklahoma, in in, um, Florida. People across the country want transactional gold, the founder's secret to protecting our economy. Now, we're going to summarize all of this in our free economic battle plan. You can get your copy at economicwarroom.com. Here's an example. It will tell you what we're talking about, back it up with research, and tell you action steps. Get your free battle plan, economicwarroom.com. Now, remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies, they view it as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.